A stu- stu- Studio D production. I still think we need You're an crazy. example of how you yeah, make that's yourself yeah. I'm waiting. starting from a low. Very patient. <laughs> Hannah can't even do it without laughing. She's laughing too much already. <laughs> that's great. <laughs> Another diaphragm exercise like ours. <laughs> Is there a cult in here? I feel like I I'm watching a Netflix show. There is a form of like, I don't know if you call it meditation, but it kind of is. There is laugh therapy. Sit down, I want to tell you a story. A really weird and messed up story With murdering ghosts and gobbly ghouls It's all really fucked up, so don't you be fooled <laughs> It's effed up family story time <laughs> I like, I like Alright then, let's do it <clears throat> Getting ready Okay. Watermelon, watermelon Hello, everyone. Welcome to F'd Up Family Storytime. I'm Salem. And I'm Hannah. And here today we have Belle. Hey. And Kelly. Hey, everyone. I never know who to introduce first. You know, age and beauty before other things. Oh, damn it. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Fail. I don't know what that means. That doesn't mean anything. <laughs> Such All a right. stupid thing to say. <laughs> Age and beauty before all else. (laughs) (laughs) Even though the two are not mutually exclusive and are often... And are subjective. Age is not subjective. (laughs) Age is not. Time is maybe. Time. If I've learned anything... It's a construct. If I've learned anything through COVID, it's that time, yes, does not exist. We have just chosen to make it exist. Therefore, age is subjective. And I'm choosing to claim that I'm not... The last two years. See, simultaneous time and the passage of time and recognizing the passage of time is subjective. Age, chronological age, biological age is not subjective. (laughs) Time (laughs) passing is not subjective. Here's how I feel about age. Yeah, time passing, but the structures and how we... we, The acknowledgement of time passing. Simultaneously, the last two years didn't exist, but they also took, I'm guessing, at least 15 years off of my lifespan. So while I am choosing to turn 27 again this year... I am also expecting <laughs> to die at like 69. <laughs> nice. We're here for the first time in the studio for about, oh, it's been months. Almost six. Six months? Ew. Almost. Six months. Because so, I just yeah. had my six month, my half birthday. Happy uh, half birthday to me. <laughs> How old are you? <laughs> she said I'm, she was turning 27, 27 and a half. <laughs> 12. Um, you're 27 and a half, and on your next birthday, you'll you turn will be 27. 27. <laughs> She's going backwards. I'm going to be like 29. 27 and a half point is the peak, and then now no, it's just back. I'm turning 29. Benjamin Button. In six months. I am turning anyway. 29. Yes. So you're not 27. No, and a half. I made the joke about. 
I thought she was turning the pister 28. The didn't even know how old her pister was. We are here recording our 37th episode. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. And I was thinking about it the other day, and it is come April, which is soon. It will be three years from when this brainchild was created. And I think that's pretty cool. We've been doing this for almost three years, on and off, disappointing no, we didn't our listeners. Start filming or recording until September. No, but that's when we started meeting and making plans, making our logo, kind of designing how we like. I was only half assed paying attention for those first six months. (laughs) But anyway. I hate the passage of time. That was when that. (laughs) That was when I decided I'm done talking about it. I'm gonna do it. We're gonna and whoever wants to do it with me can and it turned out to be everybody. And I think that's really cool. (laughs) Have been talking about this. For about 10 years Another now. three years before we. Mm-hmm. So I know you listeners out there might be kind of confused because we were gone for a while and then we came back and then we left again and then we came back. And when we came back, we started, you know, releasing a bunch of episodes, but they were recorded like six months ago or even longer. <laughs> but we are now back in the studio. This is our first episode back since uh, we took our last break. <clears throat> There's been a lot of stuff going on. I don't know if anybody wants to talk about why, you know, some of the reasons that we kind of had to take a step back or thanks COVID. Everyone had COVID. Well, <laughs> we did have a period of COVID shit, but we, we stopped recording because of George's we? procedure. Oh, yeah. yeah. So George had to have a bone marrow transplant. And so we had to be really careful about having people around because his immunity was like zero and he didn't have any COVID immunity or anything so we I, you know the studio is in our house so we really couldn't have people coming in the house plus it's been kind of crazy busy with all of that stuff but recently i have uh, started a new job and so Yay. i have a lot more time which is why i've been able to get these episodes out every week and that's our goal is to bring content to to you guys every week so, and I have more time, not that anybody has communicated with us, but I do have more time. If somebody would like to reach out, I would be happy to respond. So we, we should just start pretending like someone's reached out because then you got like the hive mind going like, oh, other people are yeah. talking to them. Oh, I'm going to talk to them too. So you guys need to send some emails that, that to girl the- Sally who reached out last week. Remember you guys, remember Sally. Yeah, <laughs> Sally. That's right. I was gonna say you guys oh, should send us some Sally. emails. Like, are you saying you guys is in the people in this room? Yes. <laughs> like pretending to be yes. other people, and then I can, and then we can read them. <laughs> that sounds like I a real slippery slope that. that I am on board for. All right. So stay tuned, guys. We'll be reading some of our own fake emails that we send ourselves. Um, <laughs> now, if we get any real emails, nobody's gonna believe us. <laughs> That's true. I take it all back. We'll we'll be genuine I mean, with you that all. Would, we're, that we're would push me to email something if like they actually finally got a re- real email, but no one believed them. I think that's oh, hilarious. That's true because then the only people I would do that hundred percent. I'd be like, ha. Nobody's <laughs> gonna believe you, you dumb bitches. <laughs> but the only people who would know if we are telling the truth are people who have sent in emails. So the yeah. only way you can know is if we're actually reading, reading your email, email is if you send, you it, send in it in and see if we read and it. And then listen. And then the yeah. joke's on you because we only read fake emails. <laughs> <laughs> we only read verified fake emails on this podcast. 
Anyway. Um, I think that you need to give a little update on where George is now because all you said oh. was he had a bone marrow transplant. <laughs> That's true. And then nothing and else. And then he died. So, okay. <laughs> no, George is doing much better. Uh, he's actually in remission. I think we talked about it on other podcasts, but I'm not sure. But he has something that's called amyloidosis. Okay. And I'm not going to go into detail if you're... Is that the first time you've heard that term? <laughs> I think so. There was, was a lot like, of... Oh, oh, no, yeah, no, there was a lot of like, we think he has this, and we think he has this, he and has, we think he has this. He has this, amyloid, is what we call it. No, if I ever actually heard what he was really diagnosed with. Yeah, I know. There was a lot of... He still... It was a journey. Yeah. So, but he's doing much better. He's in remission, technically, and he's starting to feel better. It's going to be a while before he gets, like, back to normal. They said almost two years, usually, before you're back to normal. And he still has a compromised immune system because all of his childhood vaccines were wiped out. So we still have to kind of be careful. But thank God nobody has small children around here. I think we're pretty safe. Yeah, screw small children. Yeah, fuck those little brats. Yeah. (laughs) I will say. (laughs) I didn't mean that. Are we going to get into the story then? Yeah. Are you guys ready? Oh, yeah. All right. This is going to be a journey. Was that a lion roar? It was a yawn. Yeah. It was a yawn. Do we do our sources first or after? I don't want to do my sources now. Okay. I don't remember. I don't do my sources at we all. Do them after, I, right? I may do not have this. <laughs> it's all. Fake. I might have. I actually read a book, so mm. I didn't know you could read. <laughs> <laughs> Zing. Saucy. This is fun. <laughs> all right. Zinger. Well, so you may all be wondering where are we going and why are we in this handbasket? <laughs> what? The answer is hell. Oh, hell yeah. Kentucky. Oh. <laughs> hell yeah. Hell yeah, Kentucky. But first, before we go to hell yeah, we're going to go back to August 21st, 1955 in Kelly, Kentucky. Hey, wow. Kelly. Um, which is about eight to 10 miles out of Hops. Hops- Hopkinsville. I cannot say that fucking word. Hopkinsville, Kentucky. <laughs> <laughs> to the Sutton family farm. And this is where, and I guess we really haven't talked about what we're talking about. I just set, set the scene of where. Oh. So we are talking about the account of the Kentucky Goblins oh. in 1955. Which really? is actually, the word goblins is misleading because it's actually believed to be an alien encounter. So oh, so we go back to August 21st, 1955, the small town of Kelly, Kentucky. That is where 11 people claim to have one of the most detailed close encounters ever reported. Wow. So, and yes, we are talking about the Kentucky Goblins, a.k.a. the Kelly Hopkinsville Goblins. So on the evening... <clears throat> what? I was going to say, that's what I want you to call me from now on. Kelly Hopkinsville. <laughs> the Kelly Hopkinsville goblin. <laughs> goblin. No, not the goblin. I just want to be good old Kelly no, Hopkinsville. You can't, you can't yeah, have it without so, so Kelly and right. Hopkinsville were to different places, right? Yes, they were two different but, places. So Kelly was basically oh. just a rural area like the community Don't that wasn't about really her a town. Like she's not here. Whereas <laughs> Hopkinsville was like the town. And they had, you know, it's in the 50s. They had stores. They had apartments. They so had it's like, like Marshall station. v. Harrison. 
Yeah, kind of. Only I think that maybe Kelly wasn't even a, didn't have as so much it's as like Marshall House. Morning now. Star v. Yeah. Marshall. <laughs> like that, I think. Kind of. So, um, <laughs> um, so we'll go back actually to August 20th. That is when. Only, like, I don't know, capacity for rural comparison that I have is. Arkansas. That's it. Oh, I know. And that's about as rural as it could possibly be. I haven't been to Kentucky or but anytime Alabama. anybody's like rural, I'm like, oh, like Marshall. <laughs> I know rural. Or Tennessee. I haven't been to any of those places. But it's similar. It's all kind of similar. The difference is that here we're in the Appalachia Mountains mm. and they're a little different in their formation mm. and stuff than the Ozarks. I think they're a little bit more I think they're a little taller and a little rockier in some places, but there's still nothing compared to like our Rocky Mountains. They're oh, yeah. still green, lush, lots of trees, lots of foliage and stuff, more more rolling hills than the, the spiky peaks and stuff. I feel like the mountains just get more and more intimidating the further west you go. It just depends yeah. on the range because like the Ozarks are not as quote That's unquote true. intimidating they're not like a range. I, what are the Ozarks? It's not like the, there's the Appalachian range and then there's the Rocky Mountain range. Those are the only two ranges. I don't know what the Ozarks. Oh, but then you have the so Sierras. So the Ozarks aren't like real. And the Sierras is where <laughs> fake mountains are made up. The entire Donner Party. Yeah, but and those, they're those just aren't real either. They're just they're, like adjacent to real ranges, I thought that right? they were part of the Rockies. Yeah, it's like part of the chain that's like the Rocky Mountain chain is only called the Rocky Mountains throughout like... Colorado up into North Dakota and shit. And then up it's into called Canada. Is it in mm-hmm. Canada too? But I thought that when you go down south, it's basically the same chain, but it's called something different. No, I think that they call the entire thing the Rocky Mountain Range. And then I think as you go off of it, there's like Rocky like Mountain splits adjacent ones. Yeah, maybe. Because the I think because like, they talk about the Rocky well, Mountains the, go from the Ozarks Canada to Mexico. Just be like a split of the. Of Appalachia, yeah. maybe? If anyone knows anything actual about geography, geography, I have maps. Are, I have so maps I of that Appalachia. Appalachia includes a lot of like the Smokies and like yeah. different names, but it's all part of the Appalachia, Appalachia range. range. Yeah, I, yeah, exactly. But I don't think the Ozarks are. No, it says that there are two mountain ranges in the Ozarks, the Boston Mountains of Arkansas and the St. Francois Mountains of Missouri. Now look up the Wait, Sierras. there's two ranges just... So my whole thing about there being two ranges in the whole <laughs> country is totally real. But Dang. there are two big ranges in our country, Appalachia and Rocky Mountain, and all the others aren't... Yeah, they're not as big. They're not as impressive. The Sierra Nevada is a mountain range in the western United States between the Central Valley of California and the Great Basin. So I was wrong. Yeah, this so is the not Sierra a part Nevada of the is its own range. Wrong. Yeah. So... On the evening of Sunday, August 21st, 1955, that is when the encounter happened. So Jesse's birthday. <clears throat> it is Jesse's birthday, long before she was born. Yeah. Uh, but it was the day before that Elmer Lucky Sutton, the son of Glennie Lankford, because she had remarried, on the 20th, Elmer Lucky Sutton and his wife Vera, plus Elmer's friend, or both of their friend, Billy Ray Taylor, and his wife, June all came to the farm, the Sutton farm, and that is where Glennie, uh, Lucky's mom, lived. And she lived there with his three uh, younger half-siblings because she had remarried. That's why she had a different name. But they had come to visit. They, uh, Lucky and Billy worked for a carnival, a traveling carnival, and so they had taken a few days off because they were in the area, and they went to go visit. And then also at the farm, 
Lucky's brother, JC, and his wife, Aileen, helped take care of the farm. So I'm not really sure if they live there, but they were there like every day helping to take care of the farm. And then Aileen's brother, um, OP, would often come over. So they all kind of congregated at the farm on the 20th, right? Hanging out. Made me think of like our family reunions and shit you know our family get-togethers where you just all hang out cook a big dinner not even play cards and just like a saturday night yeah (laughs) (laughs) and um where they lived it was pretty modest even though it was in the 50s it was a small house it was like a three-bedroom farmhouse with no tv no phone no radio no running water you know it was pretty um remote still but they had a big dinner that night and played cards. Everything was fine, right? So the next day, uh, Lucky goes out hunting with Billy and a friend. The day's pretty normal. Um, and then that evening, they do the same thing, have a nice big dinner. And then afterwards, they settle in. The late, the women folk are putting the kids to bed and stuff. The men folk women are sitting folk. down <laughs> um, to, have a, to play some cards. And... At one point, Billy Ray, he had gotten thirsty. It was hot. You know, this is August in Kentucky, and so it's hot. And even though the sun was going down outside, um, it was still light out. It was still really warm. So he went out to the well that was in the backyard to refill his water. And while he was out there, they had a hunting dog. And the hunting dog, like, went tearing by him all of a sudden and, like, with his tail tucked between his legs and hid under the porch. And so Billy Ray was looking around and to figure out what had scared him. Cause usually hunting dogs aren't really spooked by much, you know, they're out there all the time. So, um, he was looking around and then he saw in the sky, the silver object that had what he described, like quote, all the colors of the rainbow coming out of the back of it. And it flew over him and then over the house and on the other side of the house and it dropped down to the ground where he couldn't see it anymore. So he went running inside. He's trying to tell everybody, you know, what he had seen. And I guess earlier in the day, uh, Lucky had played a joke on Billy. They're kind of tricksters with each other. They'd been friends for a few years. They're young, still like early 20s. And so... They like to have fun with each other and play jokes. And Lucky had played a joke on Billy earlier, and Billy was kind of like pissed about it still. Like, and so they immediately thought Billy was trying to play a joke on Lucky, right? And Billy was like, No, I saw this. It was really weird. The dog went under the porch. Why would he go running off like that? Like, something is out there. And so finally, he talks Lucky into going outside. Let's take a look at this, right? And so Lucky goes out with him, still not believing him, looking around, doesn't really see anything they get ready to go back into the house and this figure they see a glow in the woods off beyond the yard i guess and this figure comes out of the woods like with his hands in the air like floating across the ground and he had these this big bulbous head and these big like bulging eyes that would glow. And they said that the creature glowed too. Like there was a glow coming off the creature. And so they like freaking hightail it into the house. Like what the hell go in trying to tell everybody else what's going on. And they don't believe him. They think, Oh, you're just trying to play a joke on us now. And so they're in the house kind of arguing about it. 
or discussing it and nobody's really believing the guys. And Glenny, the mom, is even saying, you know, don't be silly. There's nothing out there. She really doesn't believe him. So Lucky and Billy decide that they're going to guard the doors. So Lucky goes to the front door with the shotgun and Billy goes to the back door with the 22. And Glenny is thinking maybe she can get more out of Billy than Lucky. And she still doesn't believe them. So she goes over and sits next to Billy, kind of squats down on the floor next to him as he's guarding the door saying, you know, I just want to get a look at one of them just because I, you know, I just want to know, I want to see it with my own eyes. And he's like, I'm, I hope you don't have to see one of them, Glennie, you know, kind of dramatic shit there. It doesn't even sound like that. Like, okay, well, it would be weird to see it, but what? To be like that terrified of it. I know. That's a glowing like, oh, creature. It's a man. Floating out of the woods. I would, I don't know what that is. You're like, that's no big. I don't know why anyone gives a shit about know. a glowing figure floating I mean, compared, out of the woods with giant Compared to eyes. what other people say they've seen. I don't know. Like, it could be scarier. <laughs> I mean, you don't know what it is. There's no context That doesn't mean that it's it. not scary. Could Just because be it could be scarier. Yeah, I mean, it could literally be like literally blades through the air. <laughs> you could have seen three have people had, die already. Like, man, I don't know. I think our apartment's haunted. Kyle and I call him the roommate. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, Belle's over here getting terrified of like a creek or like a door yeah, shutting. Yeah. He's like, scarier, it would Belle. be scarier. I'm like, no. All right, so so they're guarding the house, right? And Glennie walks over to Billy. She kind of squats down. They're having their conversation. She doesn't really believe what's going on. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, this creature comes walking up to or floating i'm kind of confused if they float the whole time or if they walk sometimes and that'll become important later they have like on. a power meter yeah i don't know with his hands in the air though that's the one thing they said hands in the air comes walking up to the door about three feet hands tall. in the air yeah they're about three feet Wave tall like with it. its arms waved up waved up Just in the air it was walking up to the back door see that's adorable three feet tall that <laughs> does sound kind of cute Just and like... then glennie saw it and all she could do was scream which caused her to fall over because she's an old lady squatting <laughs> on the floor <laughs> Which is kind of funny. I'm sorry, Glenny. Um, and so then Billy freaked out and he shot through the door at the thing, right? And so it disappeared and he went outside to look for it. And as he was outside, like the family was in the house, had come up behind him. And as he was outside looking for it, this clawed hand came down over the eave of the roof <gasps> and was going to grab him. But um, Aileen, JC's wife, grabbed him back and pulled him back in the house. And so they went back in the house. Are you scared yet, Hannah? Are you scared? No. <laughs> Little three foot man running around going, I think it's cute. I just imagine it going like, that's kind of funny. All I can think about is like with his hands in the air. I don't know. This doesn't seem serious. It's like, so throughout this encounter, there's a couple of times, like there's one where one pops up in front of a window and JC shoots at it. There's a time where uh, Lucky shoots at one that comes up. They don't actually ever really seem to hit. Well, after Billy had gone out and Aileen had pulled him back in, Lucky ran out and shot up through the roof at the creature that was on the roof and it rolled off and it floated away. So that was responding as if it had been hit like it rolled off but they never actually seem to hit anything and they actually report a a couple of times when they shot it sounded like the bullets were hitting metal 
So maybe they had some form of armor or something. I don't know. I mean, they don't mm. say that. That's maybe they my were made speculation. of metal. Maybe they were made of metal. <gasps> they did say that they were silvery in appearance. And what's funny is later on, they be, they they are called the little green men. And it's some journalist somewhere that takes the silver creature and turns it into green men. And that's where that comes from. And Lucky, until the day he died, said no, would always get mad when he would read something and be like, they were silver. That like they were almost silver. Like it could be like a gray or something. Like if it's like silvery well, and, they're d- and like, and I'll show you pictures three feet tall. I'll put pictures up on um, the website too of like their description of them. And you'll see, they do look a lot like a gray. Like you would imagine a gray looking like, you know, I want them to be goblins though. Like true goblins. They float on like these atrophied feet. Anyway, it's like goblin. It was just so fucking weird. So, and then, then there's the encounter where the, 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 goblin jumps up in the window and jc shoots it right and so at that point they see one up in the maple tree and so they run out they get a really good look at it and they run out and so they shoot at the creature and they say he shot it because this is when they say it sounded like hitting a metal bucket yeah and then it ran off so they shot it and then it ran off so that's what they would do like they would come up and they never really were threatening like attacking but they would absolutely just walk up to the house and like look in and stuff and but then when they would shoot at them they would just float away one of them had their hand over the eve though that's that's, threatening claw hand that was interesting yeah all i can picture because you had said that this is you know like we get together on the weekends we hang out we have a nice dinner you know all I can picture is our family in a situation like this. <laughs> and it how would, be would we react? It would be. With like oh, I grandpa trying to, you know, probably take the Leading lead, the charge. And we're all just like panicking. Like, There'd be like weird little girly <laughs> noises coming from most of us. Every single corner of the house. <laughs> Matt would be rolling his eyes in the corner on his phone. <laughs> when can we go home? <laughs> So they've had these encounters, they've shot at the creatures, they haven't really noticed injuring the creatures, but they they have a break. They're like, we can't hurt these guys. Nothing we can do hurts them. They keep coming back, so we got to get out of here. So after they shot the last one and it floated off, they gathered all the kids, they checked to make everything make sure everything was clear, and they ran for the trucks, and they drove the 8 to 10 miles into Hopkinsville to the police station, right? And so here come these 11 people. It's like almost midnight at this point. They've been fighting these creatures for hours <laughs> at this point because it all started around like, 6.30, 7-ish, I think, you know? And, um, yes? Can I just really quick point out how much shorter 8 Miles is when you're in a rural town versus in the city? Like, yeah, anytime no I have to go anywhere, I'm like, damn, I gotta eight, drive 8, eight miles. miles to get there? Shit! <laughs> On a dirt road, though. But, <laughs> yeah. so they get there, and they're all, like, pretty worked up. They're scared. The kids are scared. The women are scared. Like June Taylor was terrified. Like she did not handle that shit very well. Typical um, woman. So, <laughs> she, so they get down there and the sergeant is there, but the, the chief or what, the sheriff, I'm not sure what they call him. I can't remember. Greenwell was at home. He wasn't on site and they start to give their account. And the Sergeant is like, you know, he, he's like, I don't know what to do about this. They're talking about these creatures attack them. They give a full description of the creatures. 
They all give the same account. So he calls up Greenwell. He's like, you probably should get down here. And what's interesting that I would have never found if I hadn't read this book was that Greenwell, back in 1952, he had been down at the at Kentucky Lake, where I don't know where how where that is in relation to Hopkinsville, but um, she had a resort down there. And on his way home, Greenwell and several other motorists stopped because in the air, suspended, was an oval-shaped spacecraft. It stayed in that same spot for approximately 30 to 40 minutes. It never moved. Finally, it took off at a high rate of speed. Greenwell headed back to the resort to see if anyone else had seen the object, and he found out that 75 to 100 people had watched at the same time wow, he had. Man. So It's a big sighting. He had an open mind about this, right? And so he came down, and he participated in, in the interrogation. And like I said, I'll have to show you... Um, drawings of the creatures, but they look very similar to Grays in the fact that they have like a big head and big eyes and a small body. But they, the ones that they described, every single person, they had like these fin or ear things on the tops of their heads, right? And um, a water gray. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, but they all were interviewed separately. They had different sketch artists that would work with different people to give different sketches and stuff like with all to try to make it as, as objective as possible. And all of their information like gelled. So in my opinion, there is no reason to think that these people didn't at least believe that this is what happened to them. So at this point, Greenwell, he calls in all the troops. They go out to the farm. They do a big investigation, and they don't find anything. They look everywhere. They don't find anything. I well, They do find something. I take that back. So they find this patch of, like, this iridescent substance. Alien blood. Yeah. And Alien so poop. They're thinking that maybe they hit one of the greys. That was kind of the thought. Alien poop. Maybe he pooped his <laughs> pants because he was, he was so, so scared. <laughs> But it was said to be very odd, kind of translucent. Um, like I bet you if you drink it, it, you'll get immortal powers. Oh, it wait, was like, that's unicorn blood. It was like iridescent when the light hit it right, but you couldn't see it unless you were just at the right angle. It was kind of weird. But they never collected anything. That's the thing. They, they never collected any evidence that they found. It was also the 50s, yeah. so if they did, like, what would they get what from it? What would they do with it? They'd be like, that's something. But <laughs> but they went out, they did investigations, they didn't do anything, and, or didn't find anything. And so at this point, now people are starting to disbelieve them. And they're starting to get, and this is where I get kind of, like, we were talking about the stereotype. There was, like, the stereotype. They were poor. They were uneducated. You know what I mean? The one, the two guys worked for the carnival. So that makes them fucking carnies. weird, you know? And I love uh, carnies. So, but they started to disbelieve them and kind of make fun of them and, and stuff. But then at the same time, there was this whole other group of people because the media just spread the shit like wildfire that were fascinated with it. And so their property all of a sudden, like the next day was like covered with people like they'd had the investigators out there. But then they also had these looky loos and people would like just walk in to the house. They would just walk in and take pictures. They would just wander around. They would take stuff and leave. There's with it. one thing like it's one thing to like go and be like, oh, cool. That's the house. And the cops and did nothing. Like, and like stand the on the sidewalk nothing. and be like, neat, the house. Yeah. 
Like that's one thing. No, they would just walk in their house and like they didn't have locks on the doors. This is my museum now. (laughs) They couldn't lock their doors. They didn't have locks back then, right? You know, so it was weird. And to me, it's weird that the police didn't even fucking stop them. Didn't like set up a perimeter. They never blocked people trampling all over anything that might be evidence out there. And so drinking all that alien blood. Yeah. I'm sorry, but you said that they didn't have locks back then. It was only the 50s. They didn't have locks like, on their do doors mean, back then. Okay, I was like, do you mean that locks didn't exist? We no. didn't know how to lock things <laughs> no. until 1983. Okay, I'm sorry. That's commonly, what it sounded like. Commonly, houses did not have locks on their doors. That is true. They just It's not that they chose not to lock their doors. They didn't have locks on their doors. Like, they that couldn't what did you do? lock their door. Just, just trust your neighbor? Yeah. yeah. Why did you, you think just so never... many people in the 70s just, like... Yeah. Got murdered because somebody one day figured like, out I can lock just our doors. I can just walk into somebody's house and do whatever the fuck yeah. I want, and they spread that rumor, and then now we need locks. Like, oh, I just said, did the... you know these people don't have locks on their doors? <laughs> <laughs> I just love the mentality of like a true millennial Gen Z or like people just trusted. <laughs> I know it's a sad thing. It's a sad thing. Anyway, so. So that was really upsetting to the family that was there. And like I'd said before, June Taylor was terrified and she didn't want to go back and she didn't want to have anything to do with it. So Billy Ray and June left and nobody ever saw them again after they left. I can't remember how many days they stayed there, but it was pretty quick. They were like, fuck this shit. And they never even went back to the area. And basically they just were like, fuck you all. That was that was shit. Um, And eventually... Glennie sold the farm because she didn't want to be there. She was always uncomfortable. Oh, I left out something really important. So after they had gone to the police station and they gave all of their interrogation and Greenwall was getting together the investigation, they, you know, the family went back to the farm and in the middle of the night after they all tried to sleep around three o'clock, Glennie was woken up by a creature staring in the window and she she was a very Christian woman, and she really didn't want the boys, like, shooting at these creatures. She's like, they're not attacking us. What do they want? Like, let's see. And they were just like, no, they're, they're threatening us. We're going to do what we need to do Merca. to protect this family, you know? Um, which I kind of see, too, because they were probably scared shitless, oh, yeah. you know? But so she was kind of watching it, and she didn't want them to shoot it, but one of the other... I can't remember if it was Billy Ray or Lucky woke up and uh, they scared it off. But she was like, don't shoot it. Don't shoot it. But but she was terrified at that point. They never had any other encounters after that. But she was terrified living there because after her son left and Billy Ray was gone and JC, he still was like around. I Like I said, I can't remember if he lived there, but he wasn't as gung-ho as like these guys were. You know, he wasn't a, necessarily as good a protector. So she moved to the city. She moved to Hopkinsville. She got an apartment and sold the farm. She moved to the city with quotation (laughs) marks around it. She moved to an apartment. That's quite a bit different than a farm. Yeah. So. I will say that, like, thinking about, you know, like, all these people, like, getting terrified and, like, moving away, that I am the stereotypical white person in movies, in horror movies. You're going closer. This is my Well, it's like, I'm scared, but I'm also way too curious and also kind of enjoy getting scared. 
in a stupid way, which is why I love Halloween and I love haunted houses. So you're like the person moving to the farm. Uh-huh. No, Ky- I even told Kyle stories. we went to we went to Antique Row yesterday to like look at you know just get some stuff for the apartment. We found a um like a fireplace set you know for like poking and uh-huh. tending the fireplace and stuff. But I told Kyle I was like, well, if we keep shopping at these antique stores, maybe we'll come home with a haunted item. Like <laughs> I'm hoping so. That ties into the second half of this podcast. So that's probably where I'm going to bring it to a close. That was for that, a break, not for the end. For that story, too. This for is that the end oh, of the podcast. So, Forever. yeah, we'll bring it to a break here. We'll bring this story to a close. So that is the encounter of the Kentucky Goblins, Kelly Hopkinsville Goblins. Um, My basketball team. <laughs> the. Uh, <laughs> um, <coughs> So it's an interesting story. Um, I like the book. I read the book. Let me find the author's name. Yeah, Oof. if this is the end Oof. of this story, do you want to do these sources and then? Or yeah, I could do. do I could do the sources for know. this. I I read a couple of articles on the internet, which was on my page that I was going to print out that didn't print, and really, honestly, it, they were exactly the same as like fifty other articles on the internet that I so ran across. Just Google. So Google, Wikipedia. And then this book, and I did listen to a couple of podcasts. Um, it's it's a legend. They actually have the Kelly Hopkinsville Little Green Men uh, celebration every year and shit. I'm gonna go and I'm gonna wear a gray suit and say there's silver, there's silver. <laughs> yes, there's silver and they glow. I am Kelly Hopkins and I declare. <laughs> They were silver. <laughs> I am Kelly Hopkins. This is my villain. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So it was written by Geraldine Sutton Stith. I wanted to say Smith because my ass suck, but it's Stith with a T. And she was the daughter of Lucky, Lucky Sutton. Okay. And she wasn't born when this happened. And she's not Vera's daughter, which is interesting. Read the book if you want to know more. Okay. Um, There's drama. Drama. But I like this this resource because I think it was probably closest to the story that the family told. And she even says in the book that a lot of stuff that you read, they get specifics wrong. She had a lot of personal detail to it, too. It had to, she really paints what a terrifying experience this had to have been for her family. And then also how heartbreaking it was for her family afterwards because they were ridiculed forever and there was always people that bugged them wanting to know there were some people that like were legitimately honest just wanted to know not like making fun of them but there was a lot of ridicule there was a lot of you know people looking down on them like there was something wrong with them whether it was bringing out their poor aspect working at a carny or whatever it's just very like dehumanizing to to be through such a weird scary experience and then you know it's like lucky would always say like we went there for help you know, like yeah. we didn't, we didn't go, we wouldn't have gone there if we didn't think you, we needed yeah. your, your help. Yeah. I think that's pretty common in most alien stories. Yeah. I well, say. and a lot of, I mean, any like paranormal unexplained, like you see that a lot with like any mm. like, you know, ghost story, like, you know, yeah, I don't know, but we're going to get into now what we're going to kind of, so the next half of this podcast is going to be more discussion 
discussion base because what were the Kentucky goblins? Like they weren't really goblins. And now everybody kind of attributes it to like aliens, especially with the flying saucer and stuff. Well, the fact that so many people saw the Well, and that's another UFO. thing is that there's other people that have accounts in that area of having seen shit, seen weird lights in the woods, seen shit, like seen something in the sky, but they never reported it at the time because they saw how much ridicule the Sutton family was getting and so they decided to shut their mouths and they didn't actually talk about it until much much later when like research for this book was being done I don't want to say anything I want to save it for the discussion yeah we should so but um we're going to talk about yeah what were they other ideas on that kind of phenomena in the area and there you go I guess well let's take a break and we'll be right back after this message from our sponsor Wait, we don't have sponsors. We don't have sponsors because we need more listeners. Sponsor us. Talk about it. We can do, we can do, we can do a fake. I wish there was some vodka in this jello. <laughs> I wish Hannah didn't have to poopy to, tonight. <laughs> Me too, but I'm I glad that wish. I get jello. I wish I didn't have to poopy tonight too. <laughs> Poor Hannah. Did, did everyone notice my toilet earrings though? Yes. In uh-huh. honor of my. <laughs> My poop adventures I just I'll now have tonight. Made the connection about why. <laughs> That's funny. Because I I was talking to James. I was like, oh, I should have like gotten ready so I could wear my fun new earrings I bought because I bought a bunch of new earrings. And he was like, oh, I wish you had colonoscopy themed earrings. And I was like, oh yeah, me too. And then I was like, wait, my toilets. <laughs> I do. So you already had those. Yes, I've had these for a while. <laughs> I did not buy them for my colonoscopy. That <laughs> is weirder to me than if you would have bought them. I, I also have denture earrings that I wore to the dentist the last time I went. They got a <laughs> kick out of it. I love all your crazy earrings. My favorite was uh, for my bachelorette party. They wore, it's just like hairy legs. Just like a pair of like femme legs. It's like and like a heels. pair of panties yeah. and bare legs and then painted toenails. But they're very hairy legs. Oh, yeah, painted and I love it. it. <laughs> That's cool. All right. So we're back. And you may ask yourself, where are we going? And you may ask yourself, why am I still in this handbasket? And you might say, I don't want to go to hell, you're Kentucky. I will explain it now. I'll explain it now and why it's so funny to mom and I. Let me explain the joke. Let me explain the joke. That means it was a bad joke. Did you get it? No, I got it, and it was very funny, but still, please explain it. Well, so mom called me about, like, how she's going to do this podcast, because I'm her second, and she started telling me, she's like, I want to start this podcast by saying this funny thing, and she said the thing that she said earlier, and I was like, that kind of sounds like that song by the Talking Heads, and so I started singing it, and she was like, we're going to do that, (laughs) and so we did it. You did. Cool. You did it. Yay. You did it. Woo. Yay. <laughs> so now we are going to go to Hellier, Kentucky. Flash forward. In How a Hellier many... basket. No, in a hand. In a... Wait. We're going oh. to, <laughs> to Hellier in the hand basket. Right? Yeah. Okay, great. Yes. <laughs> so um, now is where it's going to become more of a discussion. 
So. Oh, I have questions about the Kentucky Goblin. Oh, we know some questions that I have written down. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Good. I want to know what hell year is and why I care. I want to know what hell year (laughs) is. I want to know about the Kentucky Goblins. (laughs) What the hell just happened? That's the second time I've said that in this podcast, by the way. So, Hellier, Kentucky. What drew my attention to Hellier, Kentucky is a documentary called Hellier that I don't know if any of you guys have seen it, but it is by Greg. It's uh, put together by Greg Newkirk. And I don't know if you know who he is. Dad knows who he is because he's like involved in all the paranormal stuff. He like has a haunt him and his uh, and I can't remember her name. That's Dana. Dana. Wait, Newkirk is Chris Pine, right? Not William Shatner. No. No, that was a good one. That was very good. Chris Pine is his name, right? Oh, yes. Okay. It just took me a fucking second. Yeah. I'm sorry. I was like, uh. <laughs> I was in my head and I thought it was so funny. And I was like, I don't know if I remember the actor. So, the, so yeah, Greg and Dana, they have a museum of haunted things and they have a YouTube channel. And they're often called into like ghost investigations on other shows like um, the one I've been watching, Kindred Spirits and stuff. But I came across this documentary And it was just by chance and it looked kind of interesting. And so it starts off with him getting an email, basically, which he finds to be kind of interesting because, you know, he focuses on more like ghost haunting type stuff. Um, And this was a little bit out of his area, but I'm going to read this email to you. Uh, It says, hello, my name is David. I received your contact information through a mutual acquaintance who assures me that you are well equipped to investigate peculiar problems. Furthermore, I believe you may have interest in these events beyond any compensation that I am prepared to deliver in order to have these issues sorted. That's very wordy. Um, For the Me whenever I write any email. (laughs) Trying to be so clear that it's so convoluted somehow. For the past six months, I have been living in a rural home located on the border of West Virginia and Kentucky, where my family is nightly assaulted by creatures that I have come to believe are of an extraterrestrial origin. These beings appear to be the size and stature of a small child, devoid of any facial features save for large, oily eyes and lipless mouths. They frighten my children by peering through their bedroom windows, chirping at one another. They actively attempt to enter my home in the middle of the night. Last month, they took my dog. The police... No. Re- I know this dog? Him. We just kind of glossed no. over that. They, oh, no. they took my dog! The police refused to provide any further assistance attributing the problems to wild animals and forwarding my complaints to the state game commission. I believe they are coming from an abandoned mine located on the edge of my property. Though I'm armed, I'm afraid that I'm far too frightened to enter the mine by my lonesome and can't cannot convince any sympathetic friends to accompany me. Though I cannot blame them, I am convinced that the only answer is to collapse the mine. I believe this is where... We can be mutually beneficial to one another. If you are prepared to assist me in this matter, I can offer you permission to record and document these events under the condition of anonymity. 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 (laughs) (laughs) Fuck words sometimes. Yeah. I can guarantee you evidence of these creatures, which I assure you are not wild animals. Please respond ASAP. Thank you. I do want to say all I can picture... 
when they said they peer in my children's bedrooms windows and were chirping all night all i can think of is my cat same 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 <laughs> i was thinking of my wagon it's so funny <laughs> Ollie does that all the time. It's creepy. I don't have a chirping cat anymore, but it was funny when I did. (laughs) So um, after uh, Greg responds, basically saying that he would like more evidence, he thinks that it's potentially a hoax. I mean, you got to imagine this. This guy probably gets all kinds of weird mail. And he's like, I'm not a crypto whatever guy like zoologist yeah that's <laughs> what i wanted to be when i was a kid i remember, remember that i remember yeah I but i was thinking Christmas more like crypto hunter cryptoid hunter mm-hmm. i don't know i was thinking Cryptid. less you know less technical know. less scientific i've gone from but yes wanting to be a cryptozoologist to wanting to be a cryptid just a cryptid i just, yeah, just want to be a cryptid what did i learn i learned about this cryptid one time it's called the squanch it basically cries itself into a yeah. puddle of tears it does That's and me. i I'm identify with the squanch <laughs> so after greg had responded saying basically he would like a little bit more evidence the guy this guy david Christie is his name, responded, thank you for the prompt response. I do not blame you for being skeptical of my story. I don't know if we need to have all of this in here. He basically writes back and says that he has evidence. So he was given the information, the contact information through a man named Terry Rist. When these disturbances first began occurring, I only inclined to confide in a personal friend who I knew had French interests. He offered to share my concerns with a man that had dealt with somewhat similar experiences in previous years. I accepted his offer. Within a week, I was informed that this gentleman had long since retired from pursuits of this kind, but was willing to provide me with contacts who may be willing to help. This is how I came into contact with you. I do not have any answers to the why or other than blah, 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 blah. anyway so so and then he tells them that he's located in pike county just outside of hellier kentucky so they decide what do you have something to say no oh, i was just th- looking at you what do you have something to say <laughs> what jesus that's where tone makes it sound and why it's good to not just read the transcript that doesn't exist Sorry. in our podcast <laughs> <laughs> um so at this point, there's all of these. You're going to have to help me here because you watch some of this. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. So I watched most of it. Yeah. That's so at this point, they're like, this is kind of fucking weird. We don't know who this guy yeah. is. Who is David Christie? But hey, why not go investigate it? And there's all these like weird synchronicities. They don't really give you a whole lot of information on all of the synchronicities. But they keep talking about there's all these synchronicities that kept bringing him back to this case, bringing him back to Hellier. And so they decided well, to go Well, they kind of go into it. Like one of the synchronicities, they had like heard... Someone that they were friends with on Twitter posted something about an article from a very long time ago about the Kentucky Goblins. And then, like, somebody linked them to that. And, like, they had been talking about it with somebody else. And then they got the emails about the Kentucky Goblins. Yeah. So there was always fun when that kind of shit happens. You're like, oh, I was talking about this the other day. This feels like it's like almost like fate in a way you know like when that kind of shit just like will constantly mm-hmm. pop up serendipitously well and interestingly enough there are two people in the documentary who are from colorado oh. one of them is part of like the paranormal investigation team for the stanley mm-hmm. well, and nice. then the other one like lives in lakewood or something or loveland so it's carl and connor yeah so oh. carl carl pfeiffer 
is I know like that. <laughs> he's like oh, a, a documentary <laughs> producer and um director and stuff i guess he this was directed by him and then connor uh connor james randall he uh does music and is like a music producer and and shit for like documentaries and stuff right and they've done like connor was more i think into investigation than carl i think carl was more strictly just like more like the pr- production of it, not so much the investigation of stuff like that, but he does get involved in investigating. But they both live here. C- Carl lives up in like Loveland or Fort Collins and Connor lives in Denver. And, Denver! and so that was kind of like, so I'm, I'm going to talk about some of my serendipitous things that happened to me as I was watching this documentary that got me really fucking excited. And then I kind of like hit a peak and then was like, well, now, now what I'm going to, what am I going to do my story on? Um, so, <laughs> but I was watching it. And so that was kind of interesting to me. I was like, they live here, you know, they've investigated this, like Connor's investigated the Stanley hotel and shit. And that was kind of cool. And then what was some of the other serendipitous stuff that happened? Did you have any? I mean, I had little things like that would pop up, like Henry Zabrowski does like a little segment in one of the. Um, like a voiceover, a clip of him saying something in one of them and just like little shit like that. I didn't have any specifically for this, but it made me like look at other ones in my life. Yeah, it that brought that up to you. <laughs> so I have those written down in a notebook that I don't have with me because I'm woefully unprepared. I had a whole <laughs> list <laughs> of serendipitous things. But so they end up going out to Hellier and doing their investigation. And one of the things that this guy, David Christie, had sent to them was these footprints three-toed footprints that had come from like in front of the cave or near the cave where he thought these goblin creatures were coming out and he had pictures of them and stuff and um so that i think is interesting because we have this kentucky goblin case that i had read earlier the story i had told earlier and they were um had were like accounted to have floated and so how are they leaving footprints? So there's not much connection between the two of them. Because I was trying to find connection there, you know. Um, and I didn't see that. But the maybe, appearance is kind maybe, of similar. Maybe they just really knew how to roll step so it looked like they were floating. Anyone been in marching band? Oh, yeah. shit, man. Is? Hell yeah. Yeah. I remember Ghosting that. it, man. Sometimes yeah. when I'm carrying a really full hot bowl of soup. Mm-hmm. Heck yeah, I will roll step. <laughs> and I always have to be left first on the beat in my head because uh-huh. that's that's how, how you march. That's how you march. I was an orchestra. <laughs> <laughs> Hannah doesn't know what we're talking about. No clue. Along with 97% of our listeners. <laughs> oh shit. So, well, and there's other theories because these creatures also kind of look like the description of the other creatures, except for they didn't have the fin things on the head. So there's like this theory that maybe they were wearing a suit. Maybe they had a jet pack. I don't know. You know <laughs> they, were, they were the land version <laughs> of the air They're and like water. The, the They're like, that could be. The evolutions in maybe Pokemon. They, maybe they crashed <laughs> and they evolved in the mines. Who knows? I don't know, in like 30 years, that's a that's lot. A, but I mean, you know. I mean, but that's evolution. another thing, though, is that it's like if it's a different species, maybe they evolve faster than we do. And we evolve fast. Yeah. You think about how quickly we have spread. We are a virus upon this that earth. I mean, that we've evolved. I mean, we're not much mentally. we're much taller than we were 100 years ago. And our boobs are bigger, I mean, too. Not me, <laughs> Not <literally>. mine. <laughs> 
in general. I, like on average. That I have one of those two things. All I wanted when I was a kid was big Height. boobs. I don't know why. And our feet are bigger too. I don't know why I got that. I got big feet. Maybe I have none of those. Two I'm tall. Things. So anyway. and I'm like a B cup. God damn it. B really? Yeah, I'm like a B cup. B really? Yeah, really. I'm a B cup. They're tiny. That's tiny little boobs. So they go out to Hellier and they're doing their investigation and they're trying to get people to talk to him. Nobody will talk to him because then they're in this small town in Kentucky and people don't talk to weird strangers with cameras and shit. Right. <laughs> so yeah. about goblins in the woods and they try to find the place where David Christie lived. They never actually got an address, um, but they couldn't find it. And he wasn't there. He had said in his last email that he was moving, I think, that he had left or he was leaving. But then they tried to find record of him and they couldn't find any record of him. And oh, then weird. they tried to find record of this Terry Risk guy. And the only record of Terry Risk that they could find was this entry in this book about the Mothman prophecies. What, what do you remember what the book was? It was the Mothman prophecies. Was it in, wasn't it? in the Mothman so. prophecies? But there's this mention of Terry Rist. He's being like of an interview or something, something he had said in an interview in regards to Indrid Cold. And I don't know if anybody knows who that is. <laughs> that book of the interview that they yeah. were reading on the way there, that was Terry Rist being interviewed about Indrid Cold. About Indrid Cold. Okay. Yes. Cool. That's what I thought. Yeah. So in the book <laughs> that I can't remember the name of, it is an interview of Terry Rist about Andred Cold. And Andred Cold is somehow related to the Mothman prophecies, but I don't know how. Excellent journalism <laughs> happening on this podcast. You're welcome, listeners. Yes. So the story of Andred Cold, on November 2nd, 1996, in Parkersburg, West Virginia, around the same area as the Mothman, Woodrow Derenberger was driving on his way home on Interstate 77, and he heard a crash. So, and then an unidentifiable vehicle appeared to land in front of his truck, and he described it as an old-fashioned kerosene lamp chimney, flaring at both ends, narrowing down to a small neck, and then enlarging in a great bulge in the center. The Grinning Man. The Grinning Man is what he's... Mm, the Grinning Man. Yeah. Oh. Now you know. Now you know who we're talking about. Came out of the vehicle with a dark no tan and walked up to Derenberger and telepathically said his name was Indrid Cold and he meant him no harm. Cold said he just wanted to know more about the human race and he would visit Derenberger again after the encounter. Derenberger stated that Cold revealed he was from the planet Lanulos in the galaxy of Genomedes. Yeah, something. Okay. So that is where like the beginning of Indrid Cold, as far as I understand, came from, right? But then there's other <clears throat> references to him. Like, I don't know if he's real. There's a lot of people that treat it like he is real. He almost seems like a mythological creature, you know? Mm -hmm. <laughs> but um, but there's like people that follow Indrid Cold. There's like almost like cults to Indrid Cold. He has, as far as I understand, he's like appeared in a lot of instances where other unexplainable shit has happened. So like Point, the one I just saw, Point Pleasant, West Virginia, uh, which I think is also close to where the Mothman. That was where the Mothman, that, yeah. 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 Yeah, yeah, yeah. So and yeah, so, that's how he's related to the Mothman. He was the one that appeared and tried to warn them that the bridge was going to collapse because I know there was that. I think so. I think he was the one on the phone. 
uh, that ended up like people had said that he had called. Yeah. And was like, yo, the bridge is going to collapse. <laughs> yeah. No. I could be wrong. And maybe I'm just confusing this with the movie, The Mothman Prophecies. The guy who got a hamster stuck in his butt. What's his name? <laughs> Richard Gere. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I knew exactly who she was talking yeah, about. I know. So. Yeah. But um, no, and I think that actually happened, though. There was like a warning that or of something like that. He So, yeah, he appears before things happen. Yes. But he ha- had a relationship like there's this whole like he had enough of a relationship with Darren Berger where he would come and visit and Darren Berger's family. And there was like this whole hierarchy. There was other aliens that worked with him. One named Carl, one named Connor. <laughs> If you and wait, Carl and Connor are the people that are the people <laughs> live that in Colorado on the show yes. that oh. were in the investigation. If you're an alien <clears throat> and you're picking like an earthly name, because <laughs> I'm I'm imagining that no earthly name is your alien name. Like you have some name that we as humans cannot <laughs> physically <laughs> comprehend. Yeah. <laughs> Why alien in the world would you pick? Carl. That to me makes it sound like a fake story. Well, I was gonna put it out there for Carl to be on our show someday. So I'm gonna sorry, have to Carl. I'm, really mean to Carl. Named Carl. I'm sorry that your parents hate you. Oh no. Jeez. <laughs> so they're doing their investigation. That's the only reference they can find to Terry Wrist at this point, but they're fairly I mean, this is this whole hell your investigation thing goes over like twelve years. Um, because they keep putting it down. They keep hitting, like, they keep finding leads that lead them to places which isn't where they really were wanting to go and then not really knowing what to do next and kind of hitting dead ends. And then something would happen at some point that would draw them back into it, you know? Um, but at this point, they're really early in the investigation. They start doing the spirit box um, session at this cabin that they're staying at that's close to the woods where the this whole um, encounter with David Christie supposedly happened. And um, there's caves all around. That's one thing that I think is really cool about Kentucky. And I think you could just do like a whole huge lifelong investigation into all the weird shit that's living in the caves under Kentucky, like in the Appalachians and Kentucky and North Carolina and Virginia and Tennessee and shit in that area. There's a lot of weird unexplained shit that happens. And there's a lot of caves that sometimes it's associated with, you know. It's like the only part of this like country that I have left to go to. Yeah, it's like that. Appalachians. Yeah. And it is also the part of the country that interests me the most, at least as far as like geography, hiking and camping with me in Appalachia. Yes, me and you, Kyle and Matt don't get to come. They don't get to just me and you. I don't like that because there's a lot of people that go missing in the Appalachians. That's true. Belle and I will be together. There we'll are a lot of that does not make me feel any that go better. Missing in Appalachia all We're the time. Fine. Let's do any, it, Belle. Let's do it. I don't think you should. Um, <laughs> we should do it as a group of five. If a we're whole gonna group, do it. yeah. Oh, if you all want to come, you can. I just do. thought you wouldn't be into that. So they so they're doing these spirit box investigations on like the porch of this cabin, right? And they do a really cool method that I'd never seen before, but now I've seen on a few different shows because Grandpa let me use his Discovery Plus. <laughs> log in so I can watch all these cool paranormal shows God, I want one of those been able... they took even just ghost adventures yeah. got taken yeah. off a of Hulu yeah. but they just... Discovery Plus is really good you should totally get on there yeah I'm so poor but they do this cool thing where they put 
noise canceling headphones on and they listen to the spirit box or the ghost box, you know, the one that goes between the frequencies of mm-hmm. the radio or whatever. And, um, and then they put a blindfold on so they can't see or hear. And then somebody else is asking questions. So it's really cool because, you know, you can be influenced by external because you're hearing blips of words come through frequencies and you can be influenced into thinking you hear something that maybe isn't really there because of the questions being asked or whatever. But if you're completely, sometimes they'll even go, I've seen them go in a separate room and stuff, which is really cool. But that way, it's it's a little bit more objective, especially if you get things that seem to relate to the questions directly. So they were doing one of those sessions. They call it the Estes Method, which is because Connor made it sound like on the show that Connor, when they were investigating the Stanley, that they kind of invented this method. Didn't they make it seem like they kind of came up with yeah. it? The whole Estes Hell Method? Yeah. <clears throat> so I'm wearing my Rocky Mountain National Park sweater right now that I got <laughs> when Kyle and I went to the Stanley Hotel. So, um, so they're doing this and this is where they get some of the, they get Carl and they think they're talking about Carl, you know, and then it's later they find out that Carl, they get Connor and they think they're talking about Connor, but then later they, and they get Indrid and it's almost like they're talking to Indrid cold. It's really kind of interesting, but this, this is a really cool turn, but it leads like fucking nowhere. Basically. It's just a really cool. That's what the whole documentary is. It's like really cool shit. That happens in this individual situation. This doesn't seem to really be related to this thing that happened over here in this. But you're going down this road. So they go down, like they do some investigating. They don't really find anything else. They end up leaving Hellier. Well, there was one thing that happened. So when they were doing the um, the ghost, the spirit box session, and Connor was the one that was wearing it, he said he saw the image of a tin can. And so then they do, at one point, go into a cave, and they do, like, a little ritual there, and they find a tin can. He says oh. it looks exactly like the can that he had the image of. And so, like, there's still just this serendipitous stuff that's yeah. happening. And so they're still trying to figure out... They go home, trying to figure out who Terry Wrist is, trying to put the pieces together. They do think that maybe Terry Wrist is this author, Alan Greenfield, who... Well, and Alan Greenfield is the one who did the interview, who wrote the book about the interview between... that's right. Like, he interviewed Terry Wrist, quote-unquote Terry Wrist, about his connection to Indrid Cold and about how Indrid Cold I also wonder if he actually interviewed a person, but because of the stigma that surrounds... Just, giving your own information. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, you look at even like just like what the you Kentucky talked about Goblins, in the first half, yeah. and then like we talked about like so many cases. You have these people that have no other option but to just ask the public for help, and then they're met with ridicule and ostracization. And mm-hmm. like, I totally would not put it past anybody to use a fake name in an interview, you know. Yeah. So, but, but then there's this weird, like he's still using the name to, and like, he knows Greg somehow, like they know each other. They're like all these people kind of network together in this occult community, you know? And so they, they've had relationships with each other, interactions with each other. And so, but why would he be sending this shit to Greg? It's kind of weird about halfway through the, um, documentary i started feeling like is this just like an arg and somebody's just like fucking with greg newkirk you know what i mean you also wonder too if like somebody like read the book and like you know maybe did their own research knew that it was a fake name maybe used that fake name could be a fan or something you think about how i don't know like there's a lot of people 
that are, you know, like do a lot of research, but then there's also just like a lot of like really hardcore fans that like do yeah. their own research and don't necessarily like contribute to the conversation, but are still a yeah. part of, you know. But then there was another individual that they said could have been Terry Wrist that lived in the area back in, say, like the 60s, 70s, 70s era that was like, do you remember what I'm talking about? The guy that was like a war veteran and he'd been in like Vietnam and he'd been in the tunnels and stuff and he'd always go out in the caves and like talked about weird shit that would happen around there. And like, this is where it gets weird. Like they start interviewing these people and it goes to like this almost like a cult thing now, like a, not a cult, but cult thing where space satanic (laughs) a space cult for clarification um like satanic worship and shit like that and opening gateways and things it's really fucking there is something weird about caves man well and it's just really is like my Kenny V yeah, no, story. Yeah, just like caves. Caves yeah. are some no, of I, the most terrifying the fucking thing. I when I watched Kenny Beach. Kenny Beach. I thought about the M cave a lot. Caves. There was another person who sent them an email. <laughs> oh, yeah. So then years, so they, like, they take time off, and then they get this email. And it's from a girl from, was it Asheville? Yeah. Asheville, Kentucky, that was talking about creatures coming out of the caves and, like, all of this weird shit going on but she also was alluding to like cult activity and she also like talked about the like don't talk about it too much or you'll disappear and there was this whole they were going to go out and investigate but then she was like gone she ended up getting sent to prison right and she said like they did an interview with her where she said she was set up and that's what they did like they would plant shit and there's multiple people that have said and who knows but you know she said she was set up because she was getting too close she was telling too many people stuff and it got really weird and convoluted and at the very end which hannah didn't watch they Connor brings all this shit down to like a fucking cipher and to numbers and like they're basically they're thinking they're doing this that somebody's setting them up to do this ritual to like open this portal I think is where everything was leading I don't know it became kind of weird but it became really cool too like archive 81 yeah kind of like archive 81 I don't know. There's not a whole lot more to tell. There's a lot of weird shit that happens. I would recommend you watch the documentary, but that's what drew me into the Kentucky Goblin story. That's why I told it first, and I had to share Hellier. I don't know if there's anything else hell we year. need to touch. Ha- touch on Hellier. Like I be, said, there's just have, so much, but also it was not enough. <laughs> like there was weird shit. Like weird shit. Like they kept seeing balloons as markers. Like all this synchronicity, all this synchronous stuff, you know, they would see a balloon, a deflated foil happy birthday balloon in the middle of the forest. And they found multiple balloons. At one point, they were driving down a road and a tree had fallen across the road and they got up to, it was like a small one, they got up to try to move the tree and at the base of the tree was a foil balloon. Balloon. Yeah, I mean, just weird shit like that. It, I mean, it's an interesting well, journey, wonder, but it too, does, there's no like, answers. Yeah, no answers. And then it's like, you know, like weird shit like that. You know, it's like, is this, if especially if it's like this weird paranormal, unexplainable shit. And then also this cult activity that is like devoted to that weird paranormal, unexplainable shit. And even shit. Extra, extraterrestrial shit. Yeah, you know? it's like, do you... 
attribute that to the paranormal shit? Do you attribute that to the cult? Is the cult trying is to get connected? you off of their scent? Is Are they a- being told by the paranormal shit to plant these fucking balloons? Like, what is happening? Is it a portal? Is that whole area just like a vortex? Kind of like I think the Skinwalker Ranch is. That's- yeah. Well, and that's something you had talked about, like the the 27th parallel which 37th 37th which is not actually which got debunked for me in a a youtube video with math (laughs) and shit but (laughs) if you like talking about skinwalker ranch that is actually on the 40 well in my personal research with parallels there's more activity along the 40th and the 34th than the 37th by far but it's like essentially the same idea as like the bermuda triangle where it's like all of this concentrated weird shit is happening in this one area and like even without the 27th parallel like with that being debunked like kentucky has weird shit going on around this big cave system (laughs) and there's part of that yeah and i was talking to kyle about this last night because kyle's planning a trip to new orleans and i was telling kyle about how i think that new orleans is really cool and i am of the opinion that i don't necessarily believe that any one specific place is like more more haunted than another but if a place has a reputation for like being haunted i feel like more people are going there with the willingness and the openness to have an experience i'm no, which, i believe in vortexes and, and shit. i do believe that because too. i, I believe, believe that i've they're... been willing and open to have an experience my whole life and no one's ever <laughs> goddamn given it to me so I you think know. it's more than just... you got to go well, live in Kentucky, I think that there's Really, the only time that I've had an actual experience things. is when I didn't want it. I was at See? work See? trying to get Save shit it. done. <laughs> Save it. I, I think that there are places, whether it's because of the kind of stone that's in the mountains yeah, or because no, of the history on of the land or because or even of, just, yeah, like... Or whatever. It's just a place where there's a, a weakening between well, and I think too, dimensions like or universes or something. people bring to mm-hmm. that, like the people that live in that area or, yeah. you know, like travel through... Like, the energy that they bring affects the energy, like, works yeah. with it or against it. Well, and that's kind of, like, what their ritual was was about. Like, there was a certain part of it that was about, like, energy. Remember when they talk about the tones? And so we're going to do that before we close up today. Um, we're going to do the tones and see if we can open some sort of a gateway. Um yeah. But but before that, I do want to mention there's one myth. There's a uh, couple of stories. There's a story about the Flatwood monster where these kids were out in it. This was in uh, West Virginia, but in the Appalachia Mountains. And they were out. They saw something in the skies, you know, shoot by like it was on fire. And they followed it to where it landed or it crashed. And they saw this tall, like 10-foot white creature come out and like run off into the woods. And so like, there's other stories of weird shit like that. Like there's something in that area that seems to, in my opinion, like draw. Well, and then there's this big old conspiracy about how like national parks are protected land, not because, you know, the government was like, Oh, we picked just this random spot of land, but because there is shit that they're trying that to exist mm-hmm. in that land that they're well, trying to protect and they don't want to fuck yeah. with and, and the amount of people that go missing, missing in, in national parks just all yeah. national parks yeah you know so, like 
And then there's a weird shit that happened over, was it two summers ago? I don't know. Time's irrelevant. About like that fucking weird structures that they saw in Utah in the parks that never had an explanation. Like these people were like, I don't know, a bunch of weird shit. They covered it a lot on last podcast. Um, And then there's also uh, the legend of the moon-eyed people that live in that area. I've never heard about that. And this was a Cherokee legend of these small, pale people that had like fair hair and blue eyes and they were sensitive to the light hannah <laughs> and <laughs> they would only they would come out at night they hannah. worked in the caves and stuff hannah. or and and there's this legend that they got chased away by the cherokee people or that they left and so they're they could, were just colonizers knows, could they have been <laughs> yeah. could, could they have mutated into the kentucky goblins that we know today who knows There's another um, thing too are all cave creatures just humans that were like here seems like a good place to yeah. live and then they just evolved differently yeah yeah so they built different so i want to end this story though with our little attempt in uh during one of the spirit box sessions dana was the one that was um, had the spirit box and she said that they she kept hearing bing 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 like the it sounds like a, a jingle almost bing, like in the nbc yeah. yeah but it's different but they got the impression that they were supposed to have somehow sing or play create these tones and and um so they did it they did it in the cave and it was weird. It was interesting, but I think we should do it. So there's only three notes, but that's okay. I think we <laughs> should take turns going around and hold your note until it's your turn. Does that make sense? Oh, yes. and so you okay. go four of us. So we take no, turns. No, then you start the new one. <coughs> it's a yeah. cycle. It's Never like a mind. round. Yeah. Row, row. Okay. Row, Who wants to go bump? first? Kelly, go first. No, you go first. I'm <laughs> <All right>. anxious. <clears throat> and then we gotta go to the left. Okay. Bing. back to us at the next recording <laughs> i hope not i think the <laughs> laughter may have interrupted the tone sorry <laughs> no that's okay it was really therapeutic either way i felt meditative it kind of was wasn't whether it, it was good or bad to be determined <laughs> i don't really want to make open it any minor. portals in my studio okay you want to do it Bing. <laughs> we can do it minor. i need the notes i don't know music theory but if you tell me the notes no. i'll find them let's not make it minor okay let's not should we do happy thoughts we happy should thoughts. i guess i'll go first um, my happy thought is that I have spent over a decade wanting to take a tap class and I've finally signed up and I have at Woo! least Hannah and Kelly for sure signed up. Mom, have you signed up yet? Um, I called you the other no, night. No, I have not. Well, <clears throat> let's make plans because I want to talk. Maybe we could grab dinner or coffee beforehand or something. I'm down. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. But that's my happy thought. I'm very excited. <laughs> I'm excited to have, I'm excited that we're doing the podcast again. I guess my happy thought is just that I am excited to have things in my life to look forward to so that I don't feel so utterly consumed by my shitty job because there are things about my shitty job that I really appreciate, like my ability to have a life outside of my shitty job. And so I'm very excited to start cultivating my life 
outside of my shitty job. Yay, that's cool. I feel like I can jump right on top of that because I feel like I'm very excited for things to do as well. Um, we went out to like a, I called it a day date. Which makes sense. <laughs> Kyle and I had one of those yesterday. Isn't that cute? Yeah. It's just fun. Like it wasn't like we planned it. It was just we were out, and I was like, "It's a day date." Once I said it. it just was. Um, so we went. We spontaneously went to a show at DCPA, and we went to um, Milk Market. I don't know if y'all have been to Milk oh, Market. Oh yeah, you took me there one time. I did. Yeah, before a game, before Rocky's game, you and Matt took me to wow. Milk Market. This cool. was like 2018. Cool. Kyle was working. I think it was right before the fireworks game when we played yeah, the Nationals. I remember that game. I remember yeah. that game. I, I think it was that time because I know yeah. that Kyle wasn't with us. Cool. Well, I was, was working that day. That's fun. I'm, anyway. I don't, I'm, yeah. Sorry. I, no, I'm, I'm glad. I'm just trying to remember all the details. I remember that game. That was a fun game. But I was excited because, you know, Milk Market is like one of those food market halls, food halls. And I haven't done one of those since it's like cool. pre-COVID. Yeah. It's like all the different food restaurants in one place and all the different bars and stuff in one place. Yeah. And we went there yesterday and it was exciting. That's Yay. all. Yay. No, that's really cool. You want to go? Yeah. Um, my happy thought is like kind of also a not happy thought, but in the ultimate grand scheme of things, it's a happy thought. Um, I am doing a cabaret with my friend Emma. Yay! And I'm very excited for it. I'm only singing two songs, but I that's all I want to do. <laughs> Why is that not a happy thought? But just because we had to postpone it oh. um, because of weather, but I'm very excited that I'm doing it because I'm singing with great, wonderful people. And I think Emma listens to this. I know she likes our Facebook page. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, cool. We love Shout you, Emma. Out. We love you, Emma. <laughs> Exciting. Um, my thing that doesn't suck is um, that I got a new job. And oh, yeah. I am out of my old difficult job. That's all I'm going to say. Because <laughs> it's Yay. in the past. Yay. And I'm moving on and I have more time to do stuff and closer to home. And so that's really cool. That's awesome. And more yeah. focus on the pocket. Yeah, Hell exactly. Yeah. So that's if you want to reach out to us now that uh, we have some more time, you can always find us at FFS, the, the FFS, the podcast at gmail.com. Um, Isn't this your job? We're no. on Instagram. <laughs> we're on Twitter. We're on Facebook. You can find us there. F up family oh. story time. Yes. Yep. E-F-F-E-D. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. And we're always looking for feedback. We're always looking for recommendations for stories that we yes. can tell. Um, if you have any spooky things that have ever happened to you personally, I will read them on on the podcast yeah. if you want. Yeah, well, we we'll, just you know. I yeah, love didn't that we shit. decide that decide that Bell will read I all will of read them, them unless I will you read, specify that you, you don't specify want, them. want yeah. them read. If you send in a spooky A-B-B. story, I will read it. Anyone but Belle. Um, I do want to say before we leave, I realized when I went to the bathroom on our break that I am wearing my Rocky Mountain National Park t-shirt and my Colorado Nuggets hat, and I look like a tourist. <laughs> no, you look like a very Coloradan, Coloradan. Yeah, you look like you were sometimes born I here feel or something. Like, sometimes we I feel our... like I wear too much Colorado gear to the point where I look like I picked this up from the gift shop at the airport. No, that's the unique thing and about Colorado. Like is I... that that's what we do is we wear enough Colorado gear that we don't look like we belong, but it makes us belong. So it's like we're extra belonging, extra. <laughs> I think you. I have to pee. I think, I think it's dramatic. time to wrap it anyway, up. Anyway, I would say.